Welcome to the Veritas Equipping Podcast, a podcast designed to provide insight, resources, and biblical wisdom. Our mission as Veritas Church is raise up mature disciples, send out everyday missionaries, glorify God. Join us as we pursue Jesus to become mature disciples and effective disciple makers for God's glory. Veritas, welcome to our equipping podcast bonus episode. We've been talking about thoughts in Genesis as we've been working through that on Sunday mornings, and we're here today with some heavy hitters. Uh, Matthew Morgan, Michael Rhodes, and Jordan Howe are all sitting down together um, to further some conversations, kind of wrap up our series in Genesis and some of the gaps that we missed. All the stuff that we've messed up. All this, <laughs> this is the correction yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> We took a fast pace through Genesis. We did it in 15 weeks. Um, Probably should have done it in 65 or something like oh, that. Oh, it's, yeah, we get into it. And I was like, oh, I mm-hmm. wish we could slow up here. I wish we could slow up here. And we, we went slower at first, and then we started taking big, and by the end, we were taking some really big strides. What was, what was the thought behind that? Because we're heading over to Revelation, so we're doing bookends here. Yeah. So is there tying the two together a little bit, or... Yeah, just kind of the beginning and the end, we wanted to kind of set the bookends. I mean, in Genesis, you get the promise, um, you see chaos happen, um, but at the end, you get kind of the solution. We said, let's look at the the beginning and end of this this book in one kind of setting. So, As much as it's been hard to go through it fast, I think it's also been good for our people. Like I've heard from multiple people, it's stirred their affections to read the Bible for themselves, and also just to see some of the overarching themes in Genesis that they wouldn't have seen before. So... I could see it going either way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's, when you're studying a text, there's so much you see that you want to communicate. But Michael and I were talking last week. There's some things that you you don't get unless you take a big chunk to see like the big, big story arc that we've been able to do, looking at like the life of Jacob or the life of Joseph. So that's been, that's been beneficial. Absolutely. So before we jump into some Genesis stuff, like Christmas is close. And I think... In previous podcasts, we've kind of had some Christmas conversations on traditions and movies and what your kids are asking for. We're going total selfishness today. What do you want for Christmas? At your age, do you still ask for Christmas presents? Do you still get Christmas presents? Do you play that thing with your wife? Like, hey, we're not getting each other anything this year, but then you're scared she's going to get you something and you didn't. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. No, don't play that game. No, just, no. just be clear on the front end. This is, this is what we're doing or not. Yeah. Stick to the budget, please. Yeah. We just set a dollar limit and we said, hey, let's stop guessing. Let's just go shopping and you can get what you want and I'll get what I want. So you shop for yourself. That's a good yep. idea. That's a good idea. That's I like that. That's the move. That's, that's, that's Taking lame. the surprises out of it. I want, so. a pre- I want a present. I want it wrapped nicely <laughs> and I want to be pleasantly surprised when I open it. I'm so I'm I'm caught between the two because I love the present I love the surprise but I can never figure out what to get them for not my just wife. surprise I want to be pleasantly surprised I want <laughs> to like yeah. like what the surprise is okay I'm, it's that's hiding. my that's fear legit. <laughs> will Ellie be surprised yes will she be pleasantly surprised that's a great question it's <laughs> a great way of putting it. all right so Jake what do you want for Christmas there's a keychain that acts kind of like a pocket knife so instead oh, of having yes. like all your keys like big in your pocket you can like fold them up mm-hmm. i've seen pick, that yeah that's so you can idea. keep a lot of keys nicely that's it's not even expensive that'd be a nice convenient yeah so you don't complain if the present is like too practical oh no i like practical yeah okay i mean i, feel I mean like I, would I would also say a high-powered nerf gun is very practical yeah, too. i mean 
when we're it's in having some battles giving. at home. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Like, I still like toys. Yeah. That's cool. What Jordan, about? what do you want for Christmas? Honestly, the one thing that Ellie and I want to go the in on. The one thing that you already bought for yourself is? Not yet. <laughs> uh, we want to get new keys for one of our vans that have self-start in it for the winter. Oh, that's and then nice. higher higher dollar item, we want new couches because one of our dogs has destroyed our first couch. So Yeah, that's a big item. Yep. That's a big item. Just going in on it together. I was worried that like the key theme here is gone for for two. Yep. And then what are you like, doing with keys. your keys? I just for Christmas. still trying to find them. So I mean that's where I'm at. With an, air, keys. an air tag for your keys. Oh well, I don't want anything. To do. I want something more exciting than that. So mm-hmm. I would go for you know I I do a lot of biking and I need a new bike computer because mine vanished in August or maybe late July and so I'm I'm banking on a new Garmin mm. bike computer. There we go. A twenty. Do you got something, Michael? Not really. I mean, I'm taking a big golf trip at the end of next year. So that's your and and so that's part of it. I need some things before we go. Like yeah. that I don't have that I haven't bought in a long time. So maybe I get a few of those things. Yeah. Sometimes we'll do something nice and Mars will just tell me, Hey, this is part of your Christmas present. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't I didn't ask for that for Christmas. Yeah. Like yeah. that's not what I asked for. What I do need is our last trip in the airport I lost or two trips before I lost my mini multi tool. It went through security on the flight there. Yeah, Cedar Rapids did not find the knife. Did not get the knife but but then austin texas austin found Te- it. flying back from austin texas they took and i was like i didn't even know that was in there i forgot wow. to take it out so wow. now i need a new so mini jake was trying to smuggle weapons through the airport yeah and he got we caught. heard that matthew tried to do that yeah. at the border one time <laughs> <laughs> we need not go was, okay we won't go there a weapon smuggler. you can ask matthew about that but later. yeah i want a new multi-tool so for anybody listening out there that wants they, we'll they missed their opportunity yeah. for Pastor Appreciation Month, and now you can make up for it. They're not big gifts. Keychain, multi-tool. I think it's doable. Garmin by computer. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this, is ter- <laughs> this is terrible. You're taking advantage of our church because they're such like, good people. You're going to get 50 no. keychains, man. <laughs> oh, it does. Christmas does can bring out like the, the greed in us of just like presents. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that's never lost that kid thing. Of, like I'm excited for mm-hmm. presents still at mm-hmm. Christmas. All right. Genesis. Let's go. There's some big gaps that we left. Uh, two we're going to look at uh, closely. And there's more gaps that we missed. But we're just going to kind of highlight two that's kind of hit us close. Like, ooh, we really want to talk about this. Or oh, we should actually talk about this because... Um, let's skip in some hard stuff and let's let's circle back. And Michael, you preached last Sunday um, and you even referenced chapter 38 of like, this is some weird stuff going on with Judah and Tamar. Let's circle back to that. So we're going to do, we're going to do that, but also want to look at uh, G- Genesis 24 when Abraham's servant goes and gets a wife for Isaac. Um, and in that chapter, it's interesting because you kind of get some, even though it's like not the main point of the text, you do get some dating wisdom. Uh, in there that we kind of want to draw out. So we're going to get a look at some dating wisdom, uh, dating advice, and some family dysfunction. Now, I've been out of the game. We've Three of us have been out of the game for a little while, the dating game. Jordan, do you get, like, you minister to college students who are, like, in the thick of it. Yeah. Do you find yourself having to give dating advice? Frequently, yeah. You just told me last week that you wanted to write, like, a white paper on it or yeah. something. I've actually... It's kind of been a joke for a little bit, but actually might take root. Uh, I've said when I'm done with seminary, 
I might write like a 70 to 90 page book on dating just to give a That's a extremely specific page, 70 yeah. to 90. Yeah. Page. I, I mean, I'm a book critic. I feel like every, <laughs> every good book is made up of small chapters. And so I thought seven chapters of eight to 10 pages and then an intro and a conclusion. That's good. Yeah. Seven principles from the Proverbs. You got it's already, it down. Hey, got I'll, a lot of ways to go, but. I don't even date anymore. I'd read it. Sounds good. That's a lie. I'll get it to you. That's a lie. I probably would. <laughs> the part well, about reading it. You're finding out in right. this episode, you be... find out about Jake's greed and every other <laughs> sin in his heart. That's good. I you write like, it. I won't read I it. I genuinely but. felt like I'm excited for Jordan to write that. That's so cool. And then I'm like, oh, the stack of books that are like, yeah, yeah. the one on dating mm-hmm. is probably not the one I'm going to pick fair. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would, I would cheer you on. I'd hope our college students would read it, though. Definitely. That's the win. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so we're going to look at this account. Let me just kind of tell you the story. If you want to open your Bible to Genesis 24, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, or go back and read it. But here's kind of what happens. Abraham wants to get a wife for his son Isaac, and he sends his servant, like the his top servant who's in charge of his, his household. Uh, and he makes him swear. He's like, you're going to... Uh, I do not want my son to marry a Canaanite woman. You need to go back to my hometown uh, and find him a wife. And the servant swears, but he's got some legitimate questions like, well, what if she won't come back with me? Which is a pretty like, okay, I'm supposed to go. Because uh, he said, don't take Isaac with you. Like, you go by yourself. So I'm, I'm supposed to sell a woman to, not sell a woman, but like <laughs> sell the idea to a woman that you're going to marry somebody who you don't know or see and like, and she's going to agree to that and come back with me. That's a tall order. So he's like, well, what if she doesn't come back? And he said, if she doesn't come back, then you're free from the oath, but this is the task. So he, he sends him out. Um, he goes to bring, uh, brings lots of gifts. Uh, he sets up when he gets into town, he sets up by the well outside the city where the women come to water the their animals. So he's like, I'm going to the place in town where you meet a woman. He's like, this is where I'm going to, he's going to investigate. And he's ready to kind of observe. And he prays um, for God's help. And then he sees uh, the women come. And he's like, when they come, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to ask them for a drink. And if a woman gives me a drink and then offers to also water my camels that's the sign like that's that's the woman so rebecca comes out he asked her for a drink of water she not only gives him a drink of water she offers to water his camels and he's traveling deep like there's a a squad coming with him there was one estimate that they would have took like 150 gallons of water to water all these camels so this is a big task that she undertakes she does it he's like finds out who you are She's of the family of Abraham, so he's excited. They go back um, to her brother Laban, uh, and her father tells the story. Uh, Rebecca agrees to go back with him and marry Isaac. So when you look at that account of how Abraham went about getting a wife for his son, what kind of dating advice can we pull out of that story? Yeah, I think there's several things that, could be brought up. The two that come to mind, especially ministering to college students frequently, is the idea of dating in community or like making it not an isolated incident. 
where it's just you and one other person on an island. But mm. uh, seeing towards the tail end of Genesis 24 that multiple people were involved and given a voice in this decision, I was like, man, I think frequently talking college students um, specifically, they're they're quicker to just assume that dating is for them and to assume that the person that they're choosing to date is right for them. And we've told our students before, where it's like, if you're not willing to go and ask somebody, do you think I'm ready to date? Or also, do you think this person is a suitable you know, yeah. person for me to date? You're probably not ready to date. So giving other people a voice. Yeah, so Rebecca and Abraham's servant go back to Rebecca's family, and Abraham's servant like tells the story. This is what I've been sent to do. This is what I prayed for. This is what happened. And they speak into it like, well, it sounds like it's from the Lord. It sounds good. And they give their blessing. So including other people. So many times I think it feels like it's just me and this person and we're in love. And it doesn't matter what you say. Like we're in love. And it's like, well, maybe it does matter what they say. Maybe they care about you. Maybe they know you well. Maybe they've been married before and like they have an experience. Like, yeah, lean into community. Yeah. Anything else you guys see in that story? I think pray. Like, like pray for a future spouse you know like you go to the lord like this is not a small decision not that we should make any small decision without the lord's help but this is a major decision that could affect the rest of your life so why are you going to try to make that isolated from community and isolated from what the lord's trying to do Mm. yeah yeah if so if you want to get married it's okay to pray about it it's okay to pray uh, to the Lord for a spouse. Absolutely. It's only a covenant you enter for the whole entire your whole entire life. Yeah, you might want to pray about with it with God. Yeah, yeah. Anything else that comes up? I think the parental involvement in this story is is key, and I know it's not great in every family because of just brokenness that is just through our families. But where you can, like mom and dad, like speak into your child's life, you know them the best. And when you see something happening, like have the conversation. I'm not saying that you have to show up at the supper table and say like, don't do this, stop it. But have conversations about their dating, about their interactions, about um, what they see in the person and just opening the door for some of those conversations, even opening the door in some of those conversations for you to either encourage that relationship or encourage them to shut it down um, because it's not going in a great direction. But I think too often parents are scared to intervene. I think of some of you, my background is in youth ministry. And for even when you're like, oh, this isn't really serious, Mel, maybe it's a good time for you to practice having some of those conversations for when it gets more serious because who they take to the prom or who they take to the dance might be a bigger deal than you really think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a bigger deal. Yeah. And there was a sense in the story where the pressure was put on God and not yourself and sometimes like I gotta be this I gotta get a spouse I gotta work this out and Abraham's servant was even nervous of like well what if what if she doesn't come back like what and Abraham had prayed to the Lord thought the Lord was in this and it's like well the Lord will provide and he's like well what if what if it doesn't and he's like then you're free from your oath there's Mm -hmm. a certain sense of like hold it open-handed if it works out and God is in it and he said if it doesn't you know finding a spouse is not your value or your identity yeah Mm -hmm. That's good. But seeing Abraham walk in faith, like even taking Isaac to the altar um, to sacrifice him, like there's this picture of us, you know, if we train up, I think of a parent to a child again, 
training up our children that who they need in life is God. They need God. They need to follow God more than sports, more than education, more than a relationship. And so that if it doesn't work out, it's okay because I have God, assuming they have God. And that that relationship could possibly sustain them in the isolation and loneliness or perceived isolation and loneliness that they may or may not feel. Um, God can sustain them in that very practically. Yeah. I, I hadn't really thought about it until you like recap the story, but the <coughs> idea of positioning yourself in a place where you can meet a suitable partner. So go to the club. Go to church. Go to yeah, church. Come to Salt Company. <laughs> guaranteed to find your spouse. Not a guarantee. Um, but like to put yourself in a position where you can meet the type of person you actually want to date. Yeah. And I mean, clearly here it's like, oh, she was from the family of Abraham. Mm. And it seems so common sense to say Christians should only date Christians. But I would even like take it further than that. Like you should commit to dating people that are invested in their Christian faith, mm. not just nominally Christian or like that identify as Christian, but are they as committed to following Jesus and fulfilling the great commission as you are? And if not, maybe it's worth saying, Oh, I don't know if this is a good fit yet. Um, but that's a conversation that we have frequently with students. The idea of if dating is for the point of marriage and you know, you're only supposed to marry a Christian, you have no business dating a non-Christian or even somebody that calls themselves a Christian but is not invested in their faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you guys are all uh, fathers of boys. If you're looking at this story or you're even outside of the story, if you're giving advice to your son of like, hey, here's what to look for in a wife, what are you, what are you teaching him? I think... Before I even get there, I'm saying I want you to be content with your relationship with the Lord. Because the Lord may not have a wife for you. Excuse me. A wife for you. You may live a life of singleness, and that is incredibly honorable to the Lord. But I think in a Christian subculture, it's like, oh, if I don't get married, if I don't find a, Mm -hmm. if I'm not dating somebody, my life's over. Well, then you've idolized marriage. You've idolized somebody that you're dating. So I think I would, from a, I have, like from the foundation, saying, guys, because I got three boys, got a little girl now, seeing it a little different, but for my boys, like, guys, I want you to be satisfied with the Lord, mm-hmm. like, in everything. Like, yes, you think a girl's going to make you happy right now. You think a Nerf gun's going to make you happy. You think Lego set's going to make you happy. But whoa, whoa, whoa. <clears throat> Lego. Did not Lego. I said no, Lego used... set, didn't I? Did it? Yeah, I thought you said it right. Okay. It's like Lego. Pet Smart. Is it Pet Smart or Pet Smart? That's a Lego. Whole new level. <laughs> We hadn't gone. It's never Legos. Lego set. I'm totally sorry. You were in like a deep, meaningful comment. Trying, yeah. yeah. Trying. (laughs) So anyway, my boys, guys, be satisfied in the Lord. Be satisfied in Jesus. God may not have marriage for your life, and he is still absolutely good and will be the most satisfying thing you can ever find. Yeah. Amen. All that's true. If you think you need a spouse to fulfill you, you're going to cause damage to yourself and whoever you put in that position. But to find a wife is to find a good thing mm-hmm. and to desire that. So you're coaching your boys. They're growing up there. They have a desire. What do you, what do you tell them to look for? Like if you looked at this story and you're like, okay, this is like, what's admirable of Rebecca? I, I mean, one, I'll start us off. Abraham as a father is saying, I don't want my, 
son to marry a Canaanite woman. So there's an aspect of you need to find somebody who honors the covenant, mm-hmm. who understands the covenant. Mm-hmm. You need to go back there. So like you were saying, Jordan, of find somebody who is like-minded when it comes to God. Yep. Um, that was the first. He sent like he sent him away to or to a certain place to find a spouse. Anything else you see that's admirable in Rebecca here? Yeah, I think that she is a helper. That she's not just thinking about herself. Um, that she's wanting to give him water, but also water the camels. So boys, look for somebody that will water your camels. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. um, no, just somebody that's that's going to be a, a helper. Yeah. You, you see that in Genesis, right? Yeah. With Adam and Eve, like a suitable helper. She wasn't just a pretty face. Like to offer to serve and go beyond. It's not like, because the servant asked for a drink. She's like, not only did I get you a drink, let me water your camels. And you're looking at that like, that's a lot of camels. Like that was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So she's a servant. She's a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an admirable a- aspect. The other thing that point that sticks out to me is when it was time to go back. I didn't get this far in the story, but when it was time to go back, um, she, her family was like, "Let her stay a little longer. Let her st- let her stay a little longer." They, it was a hard time saying goodbye. But Abraham's servant was like, "No, I need to go back to my master." They said, well, let's let's ask Rebecca what she thinks. And she was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. And it was a display of faith because she was part of that story of like, I prayed for this. Mm-hmm. God worked this out. And she's leaning in almost with an adventurous display of faith uh, spirit that was admirable. And I think there's aspect of when you say, hey, are you dating a Christian? Great. Do they display faith like in their yeah. life? Do they? Yeah. They lean into the promises of God. Yeah. I think, I mean, generally that goes to the point, like just because they might say the word Jesus doesn't mean that they have faith. Yeah. A lot of people say the name of Jesus and they don't live in faith. And this is a, in your relationship, if you, if they need to be texting you all the time or communicating with you or knowing where you are all the time, they, they need to trust God more with you. And, and you need to have that conversation with them. So just because someone names Jesus doesn't mean they have faith. Yeah. I mean, as you guys were talking, Proverbs thirty-one thirty: charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Like, yeah. do they fear the Lord? Are they faithful in their actions and their attitude? Even just in, yeah, Matthew, you bring up like contentment. Are they content? Do they fear the Lord or are they caught up on what other yeah. people think? Yeah, you're reading from Proverbs 31, which it seems like that's the title of every women's ministry, Proverbs 31 yeah. ministry, but it's a mom writing to her son about mm-hmm. you know what to look for i yeah. think we need to start a men's ministry called proverbs 31 let's go let's do it. <laughs> or not this is an idea so super helpful uh it, scripture is in in all aspects of life when it comes to to dating there's some things we see in Je- genesis 24 that that's some practical wisdom in that but let's let's turn the corner and look at maybe a bit more troubling chapter uh one that was in a your bit st- more just, a lot more troubling. Yeah, there you go. There a you lot go. more troubling. Uh, that was in your section of scripture from yesterday. And Matthew's in Urbana. And yeah, you were. Did you cover it much in Urbana? Uh, I mean, I generalized it. Um, just talking a little bit about. It's interesting where this chapter lies because you get one chapter in some background story on Joseph, and then all of a sudden there's chapter thirty-eight, and you're like, where? What? Okay, How? so give us the the synopsis of what goes down in chapter thirty-eight. 
synopsis. There's a lot here. Um, so Judah, uh, Joseph's brother, you find out is going to have some kids. He has three kids, three sons. And uh, do we yeah. want to say like maybe if you're listening in the car uh, with, and your kids are in the back seat, um, we're going to cover Genesis 38, and 38 has some um, some tough material in it too, and like. We don't want to avoid the tough topics. We don't want to hide chapters. We're not here to defend God and what he allowed to be written, but some of it might be um, in a place where some ears, it may not be beneficial for them to listen. So just a heads up as you're listening. Good call. And thanks Great for listening. Great call, Matthew. There you go. So Judah has these sons, and um, he gives one of them over um, to, um, takes a wife. Ur is his the first son's name. Uh, so Ur takes a wife. Her name is Tamar. Ur is wicked and just immediately killed by the Lord. Or at some point, maybe not immediately, but at some point killed by the Lord. Um, at that point, Judah tells the second son, Onan, hey, I want you to basically carry on the, the fruitful line, my line, um, with Tamar. Because she can't, Ur's line can't be continued. So I need you to go have sex with Tamar and um, get her pregnant. And he refuses to do so. Um, and the Lord's like, I'm not okay with that. That's not the, that was not my plan. And so you were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And we've seen this over and over. And you have refused to do that. And so he kills Onan as well. Well, and it's, it's not just that he refuses to do that. He goes for the pleasure part, but he doesn't take the responsibility mm-hmm. part. So he goes and has the sex, but he doesn't have the children or he works against having the children, both for the blessing for his older brother and his family, perhaps, you know, out of, like, he wanted the blessing. If, if, if his older brother doesn't have children, then he gets it. So, mm-hmm. so he went and had the sex, but he worked against having the children. Yeah, that's, that's super, uh, I mean, it's spot on. So um, at that point, Judah says, all right, Tamar, I need you to wait for my third son. And he's, he's still young at this point, so I need, want you to wait. Um, and then uh, one day, I don't know, Matthew, do you want to pick it up at this point? This is at the point where Judah's kind of going to the sheep shearers at one, at one point. Yeah, so the Adolamite woman who Judah had married, uh, she passes away. And so after a time of mourning, Judah goes and shears his sheep. And so Tamar hears this story, of, hey, Judah, my father-in-law is going to shear the sheep. I'm, he hasn't given me Sheila yet or Shela or however we're pronouncing his name. So I'm going to take care of this problem. And so she dresses as a prostitute and goes and sits at the gate of the city where Judah will be passing by. And wouldn't you know, Judah sees the, the prostitute. He's like, hey, uh, let's make a deal. I want to have a good time. And, um, and so she's like, well, what, what will you give me? And he's like, I'll give you a young goat. And she's like, well, you don't have a goat with you. So what are you going to give me till I get the goat? And so he gives it, her his ring, his staff. And another item, signet, signet, and uh, and then they go have sex. Uh, she is a prostitute. He pays her for that, and in the process, she gets pregnant. And just for clarity, again, this is fathering father-in-law having sex with daughter-in-law that he thinks is a cult prostitute. Yeah, is a cult prostitute. So there's a there's a whole lot of junk going on in this story, and so. Judah seeks to like, so he's with a friend during this time period, you know, again, like talk about accountability. There's so many questions going on in this chapter, but nonetheless, he has sex with this prostitute um, and gives her these things. And so he's going to pay her the young goat. And so he sends that friend with the young goat to get his stuff back, give her the goat, and she's not there. And so um, he's like, hey, I looked and he's like, well, hey, 
at least we tried. Like, see this young goat that you tried to bring, and she wasn't there. And he asked the men, like, hey, where's this cult prostitute at? And they're like, there's never been a cult prostitute here. And so they go back, like, we don't want people to laugh at us. Like, let's just forget it, I guess. And then a little while later, three months later, he hears through the grapevine, hey, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, she has been immoral. And it's interesting, the Hebrew word here is she has been a prostitute. And they don't use that word. And, and Judah's like, bring her out. Let's burn her. And for prostitution, it's, it, again, so many. Which he participated in. Mm-hmm. Which he was, yeah. yeah, he participated in. And so they are dragging Tamar <laughs> out to burn her. And she's like, hey, the person who I'm pregnant with, um, this is this person's ring. This is this person's staff. This is this person's signet. Like, by this person, I'm pregnant. And Judah's like, oh, man. She is more holy than I because I didn't give her Sheila. Yeah. So now it, one of the things to notice or to point out in biblical narratives is um, it's descriptive, not prescriptive, and it's wrong to approach him like, "Well, it must not be wrong. Judah did it." <laughs> you right. know, because there's definitely of, a descriptive passage. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of messed up things in this story, but it's a description of what happened, not permission for what happened. Right. And so much in the Older Testament is that. It is descriptive of how the people lived and how God worked through the brokenness. their brokenness and sin. Yeah. And you got some um, big it, brokenness happening. Big brokenness. But the working through comes in the part that you you left out there at the end was she's so she doesn't get killed and he recognizes his sin and she has two twins. She has uh, Perez and Zara. Um, and it's an interesting story, even how like one one sticks the so twins are coming out. One sticks his hand out, and they wrap a cord around that because that's the firstborn. But then the cord, the hand comes back in, and the other one's born. It's just a bizarre story, but in all this is God working out His plan. Mm-hmm. Because guess who is in Matthew chapter one in the genealogy yeah. of Jesus, Tamar, yeah, yeah, and those two twins mm-hmm. to go. Oh, this is the protection of the seed. Yes that was promised to Eve is now coming true. Like, this is amazing. Like, Jesus, the Messiah, comes from this messed up situation. Yeah. I think that's hopeful. I mean, that's one thing I I spent some time on yesterday as I taught through um, Genesis 37 through 41 is, like, there's hope for those of us who have families who are struggling. Like, what good can come of this family? You know, like, you're maybe frustrated with siblings or family members or history or something like that too and man this story if god can work through this story you have so much hope but yeah matthew 1 chapter chapter 1 verse 3 talks about judah fathering a son through tamar his name is perez and perez has a son and through that line is jesus christ and so god works through this total screw up by Mm -hmm. judah what was he thinking yeah i mean jumping ahead a little bit but like in our Revelation series, by the time you hit Revelation 5.5, 5, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Yeah. It's like Judah's legacy is not even marked by what happens in chapter 38. Mm-hmm. That's profound. That's absolutely right. So and that's, it's interesting too, because you see Judah show up a little bit earlier, right? He's the son of Isaac. He's one of the 12, and so they're throwing Joseph in the pit. And so Reuben's like, let's just throw him in the pit. Let's not kill him. And and then his plan was to pull him out and get him back to daddy. And then Judah doesn't maybe hear of that plan, and so he's like, well, hey, let's not kill this kid. Let's sell him. Here's some Ishmaelites. Let's hitch him up and go. And then it says about at this time, Judah 
goes off. You know, just unlike the other story too, Judah is going to a Canaanite woman and, and just starts, you know, that mistake there where is, has God provided for me? Is God going to provide a way through me? I'm going to pick someone else outside my clan, outside, you know, what um, I'm supposed to. And it starts problems in their family. And you do, this is one of the benefits of looking and taking big chunks of scripture. We didn't even take this big of a chunk, but if you look at this story through the end of the book of Genesis, you do mm-hmm. see an arc of redemption in Judah because he was complicit in selling his brother into slavery. Mm-hmm. You get all the messed up stuff he does in 38. At the end of 38, he has a, a confession of his mm-hmm. unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next time we see him, he's offering himself for his brother Benjamin. And you feel like, okay, there, and even Joseph's kind of tested, like, is there any repentance here? Yeah. Is there any change? And you do see some redemption in Judah's character. Yeah. That's what was interesting the more I've looked at it. Um, some people would even argue that the story of Joseph is actually about the line of Judah. Like, it's maybe not actually about Joseph, but it's about Judah. It's just fascinating. And that's yeah. where, like, good Bible reading tip, if you're looking at chapter 38 and it's like, oh, this seems out of place, maybe that's reason to pause and yeah. say, why did this get included and mm-hmm. where, why did they get placed yeah. right here? It's there for a reason. Yeah. And that's key because I think that's one thing that I learned in studying this text too is you need to realize that um, 38 isn't there. I mean, I don't know that this is the end all answer for why 38 is in its position, but like God is going to preserve Judah's seed through Joseph's work in preser- protecting and preserving food mm-hmm. through a big famine that's coming. And mm. contrasting with what happens with Potiphar's wife in 39. Yeah, absolutely. Like very cool to see the contrast there. Yeah, where is- Joseph ran. Like yep. he ran, got his coat tore off. Judah um, seems to just fall into it or he's out looking. So what's the point? I mean, pastorally, to apply this to our people, what's the comfort here? What's the the takeaway? God is doing a greater work outside of your circumstances. He's doing something far bigger. Um, I mean, that's what we talked about yesterday in the sermon, that in the midst of suffering, even suffering caused by the sin of others, that he is doing something greater. Mm -hmm. And so for the Israelites that are hearing this from Moses... It's like, oh, God's doing something bigger with your wandering right now. God's doing something bigger as you were in slavery for so long. He is working out his redemptive plan. And, hey, look to Joseph. Look to what I did with Tamar. And remember that you can still worship because God is still faithful in the midst of that. Yeah, Yeah. and names have meanings. Um, And we need to understand the story. Because when we hear Lion of Judah, we think Lion this conqueror, but then you hear Judah, and if you don't know his story, you just might like, yeah, from the tribes of, of mm-hmm. Israel. But when you know Judah's story, Jesus is the conqueror of redemption. Mm-hmm. And if Amen. he can take somebody like Judah and bring about redemption in his life, then you're not too far gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people look and they think, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. And it's like, but do you know the line of Judah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this is Judah's story, and you see redemption in him. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jesus Christ is a conqueror, but he's a conqueror that brings about new life and mm-hmm. change and redemption. You see doubt played out in a few different ways here, a couple different ways. You see Judah going outside where he should have to find a wife, and you see Tamar, like still Tamar, culturally 
to have children would have been easier, all those things. Also, don't dress like a prostitute and go wait for your father-in-law. You know, and so you see doubt. Great there, like, advice. That's Great right. advice. <laughs> this podcast should rise to number one because of, because that, of that advice. Okay, five star. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Here's another number one in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> but 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 you see doubt played out there too. That God was going to take 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 care of Tamar, which she may not have necessarily known God, and she certainly wasn't getting a good picture of yeah. who Yahweh was from the For way sure. her family behaved. But nonetheless, um, there was a lot of doubt going on there. And a lot of people, much like we've seen in the beginning of Genesis, people trying to make a way or people trying to preserve their life or preserve God's promise when, when God has it. Yeah. He'll take care of it. So, guys, this was just kind of a last bonus episode as we've wrapped up preaching through Genesis. And there's two particular gaps where we were like, oh, I wish we could have spent more time there. And we kind of touched on those. There's a lot of other gaps, and there's so much in Genesis, and we would encourage you guys dive into God's Word, particularly this book, and just continue to study some of those other things. But as we kind of bring our study of Genesis to a close, looking at the whole book that we, we work through, is there any takeaways either you have personally or something you want the people of our church to, to hold on to? I think just looking, I mean— your message on Sodom and Gomorrah, um, really looking at Genesis 18, struck me in terms of God is both gracious and just, and he is like right to punish sin, but just how patient and steadfast and gracious he is to his people in the midst of all the wickedness to still see that he is like for us, you know, um, yeah, just so profound. And to see Jesus everywhere in mm. Genesis in the midst of the mess. You know, we oftentimes just maybe posterize Jesus and, you know, make it a pretty scene. But, like, to see him in the midst of the mess is just profound. Mm. I think for me, as we are in this Christmas Advent season, the waiting for the Messiah to come, it, God just, Spirit just struck me last week. As I was considering that, as I was considering the Messiah coming and how many threats to the line, you know, the promise, there were so many threats to the promise all throughout Genesis. And that's why Christmas is such a big deal. Yeah. I'm like, oh man, it was threatened here. It was threatened here. It was threatened. And God continues to protect it. And that's just in Genesis. That's not like the rest of the time of life pre Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes onto the scene. He's like, oh, this is the one we've been waiting for since yeah. Genesis 3. Like, so it just it brought a whole new meaning to Christmas season for me, um, just preaching through Genesis. Mm. I'm wrestling because those guys sparked things in my mind, and then I'm swimming in the story of Joseph. Um, I think consistently for me the takeaway um, has been a sweet reminder of God's God is going to work in your trial. And, and we read the whole story of Joseph. We read the whole story of Jacob. And we're like, oh, we know. And we also know Jesus is coming. It's Christmas soon. But, but they didn't. And they didn't see how it worked out. And just the reminder of God's faithfulness, you know, in the prison, in the pit, in the recession. Like, it, we will come through because God is faithful. And that's just been a reoccurring theme because just what you were saying, Michael, like, this, what a circus. What a circus Genesis is for the preservation of this seed. And even as I long for Jesus to come again, I'm like, how am I possibly, 
how am I a part of that? Like, what, hmm. what am I doing? And Joseph must have wondered the same thing because he'd heard Grandpa Abraham's stories, like, we're a blessing, and now I'm stuck in Egypt, so I must be out. So I can just waste away here or even give in to temptation, and no one will know. And, and he was a huge part of it. So it just makes me wonder, like, Jesus is coming again, and it has been a circus waiting for him, and, and just having hope in the trials mm. and whatever hits next. Yeah, I would agree with everything you guys said. Um, I don't think I've ever read through or studied through Genesis with so much of a focus on how the original audience would have heard it with the wandering yes. Israelites. So that was unique. Mm-hmm. The first um, three for sure, but even 11 chapters of Genesis, so much good stuff in there just about dignity of people, creation, sexuality, gender, marriage. Yeah culture things that we're bumping into mm-hmm. it's like go to the first book part of genesis and just study that well it's mm-hmm. going to be extremely helpful um, but i think like you were saying matthew the perhaps the biggest takeaway is in the midst of chaos and and sin and brokenness god is trustworthy Amen. Yeah. and his plans will come to fruition and that's just a great comfort so mm-hmm. church we hope that you enjoyed kind of a work through the book of genesis uh, hopefully these podcasts along the way were helpful as well. If you have questions uh, that you want to reach out to a, a pastor or leader here at church, we'd love to continue to help you as you seek out uh, God's truth and his word. We love you, and uh, we'll see you another time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Veritas Equipping Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to address or ideas on how we can serve you better, please reach out to us by email at info at veritascr.church and put podcast in the subject line.